But yeah, it's great to see everybody tonight. I am, uh, I'm excited to be able to speak on, on the topic we're going to talk about tonight. If, if someone were to ask me, like, they said, Tom, we need you to teach, like, for a year, but we only want you to teach on one thing. Like, I would teach on this one thing. Like, I, I'm so excited. This is something that I think that if we can really get our arms around, I, I mean, it just changes everything. It defines who we are, and it, and it changes everything in the way that we view life. And it's grace. It's this topic of grace. And um, I love teaching on different aspects of grace. And tonight, I want to, um, to talk about just one, one dimension of grace or, or one response to, to uh, this message of grace. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So let me pray and we'll get started. God, um, I am so thankful uh, to be here tonight, to be in your presence, to be in your church. I thank you for um, brothers and sisters who worship you. And um, God, we're thankful for the work that you've done on the cross. We thank you for the, the grace that you've shown us, the work that you accomplished for us. God, we pray that we would accept that, that it would change us, that it would that it would make us more than what we were before, that we would see it in ourselves, that we would see the transformation, that we would be able to give you the credit. I pray, Lord, that you would make this time that we have together tonight revelation, not just words, but revelation from you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, okay, one of the hardest things I'll probably ever have to do is I'm going to have to summarize grace real quick. Okay, because I want to get to the next step. So I'm going I'm to just review real quick what I believe grace is and the message of grace and how it fits into the gospel. I'm just going to review it real quick and then we'll talk about our response to that, how we respond to that message of grace. Um, so Paul, I think, does it best in Ephesians chapter 2. There's a lot in this chapter. I just grabbed verses 4 through 9 um, because there it illustrates it well. I'll read it. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. In this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Not by works so that no one can boast. This idea that, that it is a gift of grace. And the word is used, you know, all the time in... in uh, in Christianity, we hear grace all the time. And, and, and so we can sometimes lose the meaning. We can lose the, the weight of, of what it means. And so that's really what, what I want to just review real quick. Is when we talk about grace, the grace that Paul is describing here is he's basically saying that everything that we've been given in Christ, everything that we receive from Christ has been given to us as a gift. Totally unmerited. It, right before verse 2, he talks about how we were objects of God's wrath. We were objects of God's wrath, and then all of a sudden, we're, we're sons and daughters. We're the righteousness of Christ. What changed? Not us. It was the gift. It was an unmerited gift. There was nothing that we did to earn it. And you're like, okay, cool. You know, I've heard that before. 
just let it sit in for a second. It doesn't matter if you are the Pope. It doesn't matter if you are a pastor, if you're an axe murderer, okay? If you robbed a liquor store on the way to church tonight, it doesn't matter. You are, you are a son or daughter of God. You have the same standing before God as everyone else. You can receive this free gift, or you may have already received this free gift from God, totally unmerited on your own. I'm a Christian, and I just robbed a liquor store. Yeah, you could say that. Does that offend you a little bit? If it offends you a little bit, if you're like, well, gosh, that's, man, that's hard to swallow. Okay, that's grace. Now you're getting it. That's grace. It shouldn't just give you warm fuzzies. It should also challenge you a little bit of, man, that's incredible that God would do that. That, that God would accept a prodigal son who, who went and just totally screwed him over and he just lets him back into the house. There's a little bit of offense to that. Like, shouldn't you teach him a lesson? Like, you know, is he going to learn from that? You know, that's the message of grace. Now you're starting to see it. Okay, so this is such a big deal for me. I want my son, I have a son who's like, three years old, and I want him to understand grace. So, uh, you know, because the only thing he knows about grace is singing a song. He sings a song at at dinner, and that's his grace. Um, But anyway, so I want him to understand this concept of grace. So what I do is I look for opportunities. And every once in a while, not all the time, every once in a while he'll, like, shoot his sister with a dart gun or something. And he knows he's going to get a spank. You know, if he gets busted, he's going to get a spank. And so, like, Tommy, you know, did you shoot your sister with a dart gun? Yes, you know. What's going to happen? I'm going to get a spank. So you take him to his room. I'd sit him on my, on my knee, and I'd be like, okay, well, do, you know, did you, did you earn that spank? Do you deserve a spank? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to give you grace. And then I'll take him, and I'll give him a cookie. Totally freaks him out. <laughs> totally freaks him out. I, like, he doesn't really understand g- grace, but you know what? He knows that grace is something really, really good. And it's really, really something I didn't earn on my own. You know what I mean? And that's grace. That's grace. You know, a merciful father, a merciful father would sit him on his knee and say, okay, I'm going to let you off the hook this time, but don't do it again. But the gracious father says, not only am I not going to give you what you do deserve, but I'm going to go give you what you don't deserve. That's grace in a nutshell, okay? That's a review of grace. So now it it begs the obvious question of, Tom, are you a good dad? Like, (laughs) your son is shooting your daughter with a dart gun and you're giving him cookies. You know, like, that's that's a logical, it's an okay question. You could ask that. You can ask the same question of our father who would do that. God, you know, he did just rob a liquor store, and, you know, you're just letting him into the house. You know, is that really? God, I don't want to tell you how to do your job. But that's the way our God works. It is a distinctive characteristic of what we believe as Christians. I absolutely believe that. It is a distinctive way of thinking about God that we think as Christians, that God would do that, that God would say to the adulterous woman, you know, hey, has no one else condemned you? Go, don't, don't sin anymore. Whereas most of us, we'd be like, now you've gotten yourself into a little pickle here, honey, haven't you? Huh? You thinking twice about maybe that decision you made to have adultery? You know, like we'd have a whole lecture 
planned for her, you know? Well, can you give me three reasons why this isn't going to happen again, you know? But God doesn't do that. God does it. He puts the cart before the horse. He like, he like gives her grace and then expects her to change. Think about it. Most of us, we would be gracious, you know, like, okay, can you tell me why what you did was wrong? You know, like we'd go through this process. Okay, now I'm going to give you grace. But that's not the way God works. God, Paul says it in, in one place. He says that it's God's grace or God's goodness or kindness that leads to repentance, that causes us to change. And that's what, I'm, that's what I want to talk about tonight is our response to God's grace. When we really fathom God's grace, it should be change. It should be transformation. There should be something different about us because of God's grace. It should cause us to change. So that's really the heart of what I want to talk about tonight. Um, See, I get all fired up about grace. As Christians, we believe that we can be transformed. We absolutely believe that you can be transformed. Not only do we believe that you can be, we believe that you are transformed immediately. When you become a Christian, it says you are a new creation. The whole makeup of who you are is different when you become a Christian. Isn't that awesome? Paul says you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You are now inhabited by the divine nature. That's another way that scripture puts it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You now are empowered by God's presence, literal presence in your life, in your person, through the person of the Holy Spirit. Meanwhile, we live in a world that says you can't teach an old dog new tricks. People don't change. A tiger doesn't change his stripes. Anybody heard that before? You know, these are, these are sayings that people say. These are things that people say that just fly in the face of what we believe as Christians. It's so awesome that we meet at the City Rescue Mission because we get to hear about people's lives that are transformed. People that everyone else would say, you can't ever change. You're always going to be that way. No. As Christians, we believe that there's a transformation that takes place when you become a Christian. And because of that transformation, you will continue to be transformed for the rest of your life until the day that you die Until the day that you die, you will continue through this process of being changed. And guess what? You'll become more and more like Christ. You will become more and more like the one who's made it all possible. You'll become more and more like God. That's what we believe as Christians. Holiness is one of the fruits of this, of this transformation. We become more like God. We become more holy. We become more righteous. These are fruits that we hear about in the scripture. You know, it's so like, have you ever been to a Christian bookstore and like go to the, like you're going to get a book, you're getting a CD, and you like wander off into the gift section? There's like, you know, pink teddy bears with hearts and, you know, a little naughty look, and it says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And it's, and it's like, I'm sorry, if anybody has a bumper sticker on their car, like, I'm, all I'm saying is that that's how people summarize their faith. Oh, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. It's, it's, you cannot summarize what it means to be a Christian like that because we're so much more than that. 
Because we are Christians, because we're forgiven, we are beginning, we're going to become more and more perfect. We are, we are going to live up to what we've already attained inside of us. We are going to become more and more like Christ. Because of that grace, we, we change. I'm not saying we should change the bumper sticker to say I'm a Christian and I'm perfect. But I'm saying you can't summarize what it means to be a Christian. What we're doing is we're lowering the bar and we're saying that, you know, faith in Christ doesn't mean a, a, a difference. It doesn't make a difference in who we are. It doesn't make a difference in, in our lives. No, Jesus says you're going to be like a city on a hill. You're going to be like salt. You're going to add flavor. You're going to be like light. You're going to, you're going to cast light into darkness. These are the pictures from Scripture. You know, not pink teddy bears that do naughty things. You know, this, this is, these, are, these are pictures uh, uh, from, from Scripture. Okay, so you have to ask the question, you know, <laughs> why change? Why, why anything? How, how would I respond? Where's Matt? Matt Grayson. Where's Matt? I was talking to Matt before church. I was talking to Matt before church. We were talking about, now, okay, to be honest, it wasn't a spiritual conversation. We were talking about math. And we were talking about math classes. And he was saying, well, why would you, why would you do anything you didn't have to? <laughs> All right, that sums it up, man. You know, and he just summed it up well. Why would you change? Why become anything more? You know, it's like, okay, so you're saying, I'm in. You know, just by believing, I've already received a gift. I could go rob a liquor store. I could be an axe murderer. I could do whatever. Why? Then it seems like a pretty good deal. Maybe I should just keep on keeping on. So Paul actually looks at this head on. He actually looks at this head on in Romans 6 where he asks the question that at some point we all have to think. He says it in Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Have you ever heard Antley every once in a while, he'll say this. I'm in the business of sinning. God's in the business of forgiving. We got a good thing going. You know? That's what Paul's saying. You know, hey, shall we go on sinning? God's so good at forgiving, man. Let's let him do it. Let's let him show his grace. And if I sin, man, if I do something really outrageous, how much more is God's grace that he forgives me? And then he, he meets me there. And Paul's, Paul's saying, no, no, that's not a good idea. He says it another way in Romans 6.15. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but because we're under grace? No, no. And so he goes through in Romans 6 and the beginning of 7, he addresses this question head on. And there's, uh, there's not enough time to go through and break, break down everything that he says. So I'm just going to summarize uh, a couple of the different illustrations that he gives to kind of address this question of if we really do understand God's grace, if we really do say, okay, okay, I'm following you there, then the question is, well, what should I do with that? Why should I change? Why should I Stop doing the things or start doing the things, whatever. Why should I anything? Why don't I just keep sinning and let grace abound? So the first thing that Paul says, Romans chapter 6, verse 4, he says that we were therefore buried with him. Why shouldn't we sin? We were, we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It's this idea of death and life. Well, why shouldn't we just keep on sinning? Why, why, why shouldn't we just let grace abound? 
And Paul's answer is, it's a new life. You have a new life in Christ. It's like going from death to life. What you had before, all of your experiences, what you had before Christ was like death compared to what it's like with Christ. In another way, in Galatians, when he talks about, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. This idea that, that when we become Christians, it's a new life. Everything is different. So much so that Paul or that uh, Jesus says it's like being born again. Right? When he, when he says it's like, it's like being born again. When you, when you really come to understand the message of Jesus, it's like being born again. It changes everything. It's like going from death to life. Why would you want to go back to death? Is Paul's point. Why would you want to go back to that? It's the same thing it was when you left it. Death. Jesus promises his followers abundant life. That's what we want. That's what we all want, if you think about it. We, we want to experience life awesome. I don't know how else to say it. We want to, you know, we're realistic. We're not saying that we don't want to have any pain. We don't want to say we don't want to work. We don't want to deal with, we understand that. But we just want life. We want to experience abundant life. We want to experience it the way it was meant to be lived. That's what Jesus, is, Jesus, Jesus promises us. Think about the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. When we receive His Spirit, when we become Christians, we get the fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that, that will start to manifest themselves in our lives. The more that we release Him, the more that we die to ourselves and actually live the new life, it, it outpours itself. And these are the fruits that we see from that. He empowers us to become more and more like Christ as we submit to him. The Holy Spirit empowers us. That's the difference. That's that's why it's so amazing to think about what, what God has done. Because not only did he forgive us, a lot of people will stop there, that God forgives us. He's like, oh, okay, I'm going to look the other way. That's not. The message of grace, remember, the message of grace is not only am I going to look the other way, not only am I going to forgive you, but I'm going to give you a cookie. Right? Oh, it's a bigger cookie. Not only is he going to forgive us, but he's going to give us his presence. He's going to actually live inside of us. He's going to make us sons and daughters. He's going to throw a party for us. That's the pictures of scripture. So he gives us his, his Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can experience all those fruits. So that we can experience the abundant life. That's God's grace. So, okay, back to the question. So what's the deal? You know, why, why, should I, why should I not sin? Why shouldn't I just keep on doing what I'm doing and sounds like everything's going well for me? You know, Tom keeps talking about robbing liquor stores. I'm thinking maybe on the way home I'll hit one. Um, Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, everything is permissible. Everything is permissible for me. But not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. That's the way Paul says it. Yeah, everything's permissible. You want to go hit a liquor store? You can do that. But you know what? You're probably going to go to jail. Or you're going to get shot by a cop. That's probably not what you want, you know, for abundant life. You see what I'm saying? But what we can experience. So Paul's point being, if you, if, if you really accept this message of grace, you can experience life. Why? 
Why should you do it? So you can experience that life. Yeah, everything's beneficial. Yeah, you're clean slate. Yeah, you can go do whatever you want. God's going to accept you as a son or daughter. But everything's not beneficial. Everything, there's going to be earthly consequences for the things that you do. No, no eternal consequences. You hear me on that? There's no eternal consequence of that. Because God has taken it all away on the cross and given you his inheritance. There's no eternal, but there's earthly consequences. Yeah, you're going to be in jail. Maybe you're going to get shot. Maybe you're going to have issues. I don't know. Whatever the sin is that you're dealing with, there are earthly consequences that you will experience unless God gives you more grace. That's why we're always asking for more grace. Okay, so the first reason we accept God's grace and we're transformed because we want abundant life. We want abundant life. The next thing that Paul goes into he, I hinted at with the First Corinthians verse where he talks about everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. He continues on in Romans 6 to talk about why would you go back? Romans six fourteen, For sin shall not be your master because you're not under law. You're under grace. Sin is no longer your master. Why would you want to be a slave? So he, the first point that he made about you know, why would you go back to death and we can have abundant life? And now he's saying, look, you're no longer a slave to sin. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to break those, those bonds. You're empowered to, to, to move beyond those things. You are no longer a slave to sin. Because we're under grace. And this is, you know, this is so difficult. Like, I don't want to come across judgmental or ungracious, okay? You've heard my message. You understand what I believe about grace. But at the same time, if you said, man, I couldn't help but sleep with my girlfriend, you know, because we were in the bed together. It was 2 in the morning, and I just couldn't say no. What were you doing in the bed at 2 in the morning? You're not a slave to that anymore. You have the Holy Spirit inside. You're empowered. There is no temptation. There is nothing that you face that you can't overcome. There's nothing that you face that you can't overcome. So you say, oh, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't help myself. Again, I don't want to be a putz, but you could. You could. And if you want to experience the abundant life, if you want to get past those things, if you, if you want to, 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 to move on and to have more of the fruits in your life, you're not going to get in the bed with your girlfriend at 2 in the morning. You probably should have made that decision at, like, I don't know, midnight or you know, 9 or 10 o'clock of, hey, maybe we're not. Or whatever the thing is that you, you know, like so many times it's like you go so far down the path and then you're like, whoa, I don't have a choice. <laughs> you had like the choice forever ago. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave. And I know, I know there, there, we've all struggled with some sin, some addiction, something that we had, and you felt that way. Like you were a slave to it. I couldn't help myself. I had to do it. No. No. The message of the scripture is you're no longer a slave to that. Break free from that. Don't be mastered by it any longer. We accept God's grace and we're transformed because we don't want to be a slave to sin. And then the last thing he does in, in um, chapter 7 is he, he gives an illustration for marriage. And I want to do kind of the same thing. Imagine you get married. Imagine you, you get married and she's awesome or he's awesome and it's great 
And, you know, you go, you do the honeymoon thing, you come back, you're sitting in your new house or your new apartment or whatever, and you're talking, and you're like, hey, babe, this is, I just want you to know, this is great, but I just want to get the ground rules. Like, how far can I go with other women, like, before it's too much? You know, like, what, how far can I really go before you're really going to get so mad you're going to leave me? You know what I mean? Like, that's almost like what we're doing. Like, God has showed us this awesome love and said, I want so desperately to be in this relationship with you. And we're like, oh, God, God that's awesome. But how far, can I, how far can I go, like, with other stuff, you know? This illustration from marriage, why be good? Why try to live up to what we've already attained? Why try to live up to what God's already done in us? That question could really be, why love? Why love God? Why love God back? So many reasons. But Jesus, at one point, he says something along the lines of, uh, those who have been forgiven much, love much. Think about that. Those who have received a lot of grace, they'll find it a lot easier to love more. They'll find it a lot easier to break those bonds and to, and to live that life. That's why I think it's so important to, to get our arms around the grace that God's given us. Because the more that we understand that, the more that we're empowered to change. God wants us to serve us in a new way. He doesn't want us to serve out of compulsion. He doesn't want us to serve because we have to. He doesn't want us to to serve him and to do things because somebody told us we have to. He wants us to do it out of our desire, out of the... Out of the gifts that he's given us, that's what he wants us to serve him with. And if you think about that in the marriage relationship, you know, if I, if I were to say to my wife, Kit, I'd be like, okay, so what's the deal for your birthday? Like, what do I have to do? How much do I have to spend on a gift? When do I have to get it to you? How's that all work? You know what I mean? Like, that's how we approach God. Just lay down the law for me, buddy. Just tell me what I need to do. St. Augustine said, If you but love God, you can do as you incline. If if what you're doing is a result of your love for God, do whatever you want. Because it's going to lead you to him. Jesus is the one that said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And a lot of times we say, if you love Jesus, you'll obey his commands. But isn't it more like, if you love Jesus, you're obeying his commands. If you love Jesus, if you really are loving Jesus, you're going to obey his commands. You see the difference? It's, it's, again, it's putting the cart before the horse. It's figuring out what comes first. It's God's grace. It's God's love that changes us, that motivates us, that allows us to receive his spirit and to be changed by it. Okay. Our days... Our days in this life should be spent trying to fathom God's grace and not trying to exploit it. If we spend our time really understanding God's grace, like I said, I mean, I'd teach on it for a year. If the more that we can understand God's grace, fathom the depth that he's gone to, to make things right with us, to bring us in a right relationship, the more that we can fathom that, the more that our lives will change. We'll find ourselves not trying to exploit him, not trying to figure out, well, okay, how far can I push this thing? So why do we accept God's grace? 
We accept God's grace and we're transformed because we love God. Or, or more correctly, because God has loved us. It's a result of the love relationship that we have with him. Let's go ahead and stand. God, we are so thankful that you chose to give us grace, that you chose to give us the gift that we received in Christ, that you have chosen to call us sons and daughters, that you have given us your spirit. God, we are so thankful, and we, we confess that we don't always want to do what's right. We don't always want to pursue what we've already attained in you, God, that we don't always want to do what's right and that we have exploited your grace. But Lord, we want to change. We want to be transformed. We want to become more and more like you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move on us powerfully. Holy Spirit, that you would convict us, that you would change us, that you would empower us. God, I pray for that strength. I pray for those that feel like they've been enslaved. I pray for those that haven't believed that they are no longer a slave. And I pray that bonds will be broken tonight. By your spirit, that bonds will be broken tonight. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Speak to us tonight. Speak to us right now.